Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I got Talk Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Paula Price Show, where we are back in town in Tulsa for this week's episode. We want to thank you for tuning in and and checking out what's going on in the amazing, never-ending, never-stopping world of the Paula Price Show. We have been on the road all over the place, it seems, over these last two or three weeks. Dr. Price was in Iowa, and then we were in Ohio, and then we were in Detroit, Michigan for the Word Network. And now we are back home in our old stomping grounds in our headquarters here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we just want to thank you all for being faithful with us. Last week, we heard those prophets really tore it up on the Powell Price show and did what they were trained to do. And so today, I can't even imagine what's going to happen on the Paul Price show. Dr. Price is perpetually on fire, but especially on fire with what God is doing with her, what he's doing in the kingdom, what's about to happen here in Tulsa next week with the near summit. And so I know she's geared up. We're geared up. I think it's an understatement to say how fired up we are and what God is doing and uh, what he has in store for us today. And so make sure you have out your notebooks. Make sure you have out your Bibles and your open mind for revelation, for God to shock you and for that hard reset to keep resetting you. I don't know about you, but every time I think, I wonder how many more things need to be reset. I find out. There's more. But wait, there's more. Oh, but wait, wait, there's really more. <laughs> so, I am so excited to be back in Tulsa with Dr. Price as we are getting geared up. This is a woman of many talents, facets, facets and dimensions. You cannot believe how much she can pack into a week until you have to chase her around the world in 80 days. I think we're, we'll, we're going to end up doing in around the world in 80 days. Norma. And so get fired up, get geared up, get pressured up, get know that the Lord is about to put the pressure on you like he is putting the pressure on us change agents, facilitators of change. We voted with the midterm elections. And I tell you what, woo, we are seeing what the hard reset is looking like in flesh and how it's not just the saints that know God is resetting them. Hardly. It is also the forces of darkness kicking up, acting crazy. They know. They knew when Jesus was on the planet. Talking about, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing here? How did you, who, wait a minute. What are you, is it, you're not, I know you. Is it, you, are you trying to bind this away? Are you trying to cast, are you trying to, and he had to shut him down then, and he's going to shut him down now. And say, shut your mouth and let me finish my work. And that's where we are 
according to me. <laughs> That's where we are with this hard reset. Jesus is about to step up with his apostles and his apostolic Christians, apostolic prophets. We're about to see the apostolic pastors step up and do their jobs as well. Apostolic evangelists, apostolic teachers, everybody. We're going to take roll call on what God is doing. And so I am here with the one and only Dr. Paula Price looking fabulous. I know you can't see her on Block Talk Radio, but looking fabulous today. Dr. Price. Yes, and I'm back, and I agree with what you were saying about the hard reset. Woo! You know, and the world understands that there's a hard re- reset. What they don't know is that it's Jesus Christ who is doing it. Now, who, has, who has ordered it, authorized it, and executing it. And we need a hard reset because, as I said, for those of you who have not maybe gone back to watch my Melchizedek visitation, um, God had to do a hard reset because God said that humanity has lost the power to face off and fend off what has taken over its planet. Because Christians stay in church and we just keep staying in church and we read our Christian uh, literature, we read our Christian books and novels and whatnot, you don't have a very good grasp of what how ugly things have become while you were in the temple. And you don't realize that the forces of darkness have some very severe and heretofore unrestrained plans for us as God's family. The idea has been for ages, and I'm talking decades, to get Christianity off the planet. And one of the ways that they are aggressively doing so that appears to be working is by discrediting the scripture, getting the Bible banned. Now, what what mind is it that you can get the Bible banned and not the Quran or the Vedas or all of those other things, other texts? And so you and I have a great work to do. And so all of these churches that you're in, that you all excited because we don't have a lot of Bible and we don't do a lot of scripture and we don't do a lot of religion and we're not legalistic, you have been unwitting uh, instruments in Satan's toy, and thus you have been unconscious pawns. Because it's not about your liberty. It is not about your freedom. It is nowhere near interested in you having your rights in Christ. This is all about getting Christianity off the planet. Everything that we're living is about the BC devils trying to come back. These these resistors and rejectors of Jesus Christ have chosen other gods. We talk about this in Judges. God has lived through this before. He says, you know, They chose other gods and judges. Deborah says they chose other gods and there was war at the gate. So you are having so much fun in your introverted, vacuous world that you don't recognize that in a minute, nobody's going to care about your God. Nobody's going to care about your faith and you're going to get bashed for it, which means you're going to treat it worse than you already have. Um, Over the last several days, as I'm wrapping up my AIT, 2018 AIT training, getting them ready for commissioning, I've been working on something that our chief prophet, Tyler Price, developed in one of her classes. It's a great class. Everybody should be on it. And it's about cosmos Christianity. 
she did the work, so definitely I want to give her credit for it. And she came up with, um, she captured through her research 17 statements that define a cosmos Christian. And, that, of course, we're not going to go over those today because we're going to make you wait because that's just fair. But I came, I spent the last several weeks developing 17 rebuttals because you have no idea you're a cosmos Christian. You think you're a Christ Christian and you're a cosmos Christian. And your pastor is a cosmos church. And when you study up cosmos, you know, they call it cosmos. They call it, you know, um, Godless, it's interesting that godless is now a trend, godlessness. We are without God. We are, and Jesus, you know, um, Paul talks about us being without hope when you're without God in this world. You feel hopeless because you don't have a God. Nobody's taking credit for you. Nobody's taking responsibility for you. And so she did these 17 points, which are part of an excellent uh, presentation she did when we were in Iowa on the the issues that Christianity is facing and how unprepared the typical Christian is for them. And so we have this, she had one of them, which had a picture where a woman had on low riding jeans and uh, uh, old English pastor's wife printed on her behind. And so the whole idea is what is wrong with that? I mean, and then she had the picture of the other woman, which was really interesting in this blue low lying dress with her, you know, um, boobs partially exposed, talking about, I don't know why this isn't salvation. It, well, it, it, but first of all, you can't be saved and put that on because you've already renounced. So these are apostate Christians. We don't talk about apostate Christians much, but these are apostate Christians. And, and so we have the cosmos Christians who were once genuine, once authentic offspring of the Godhead who have now become rebel children, kind of like Lucifer did in heaven, and started changing the rules. But because you're, you're loving your, your favorite preacher, you're loving on your favorite Christian books and devotionals and whatever, you have no idea that you're ill-equipped for their success. That is what I've been doing. So in our, um, and we'll talk with uh, AIT Ashley in a moment, but in our class, I am doing a, a, a lot of training of their soul, converting them to Jesus Christ Christianity, because every one of us got some good elements of the cosmos Christian in us. And the evangelical church, word of faith and, and charismatic faith, they all brought something, and we forgot that E.W. Kenyon was not really writing as a Christian, but yet his teachings and writings became the foundation for the faith message. So you have to know these things. You don't know where it comes from, so you can't judge it. You can't figure out whether or not you should embrace it or reject it. You don't know because you have no, no, no parameters. You have no, no criteria, and you need that. We've been telling you to feel and not think. So getting back, just to wrap up my mention of those 17 uh, Cosmos Christian uh, decrees, I call it a kind of a shabby manifesto, and it's all about I don't want to establish religion. I don't want to have to answer to a pastor. I don't want to be accountable to anybody. God knows my heart. Jesus loves me as I am. The church is just critical. The church is just judgmental. The Bible is dated. So I've got rebuttals on that that will be obviously in, my, in our uh, apostles' uh, 
final program because there is a master's program, that, a master's degree that can be obtained, earned through this. But I want you to understand that you use those things. That's just legalistic. That's just, that's, that's just um, uh, what do you call it, old Christ, uh, uh, old-fashioned Christianity. And we can go on. But you be, how many of you believe that? Because if you are, you're a cosmos Christian, and you didn't plan to be. And then we're bashing Christ. All Christians do is judge. Nobody, no other religions judge. We're talking about Islam blowing up stuff, okay? Now, granted, the whole religion may not, but their people somehow or another got the idea that that's how they really please their God. Somewhere along the line, that idea came from someone, you know? Likewise, when we had the guy blowing up Oklahoma City, he, he went to somebody's site and found out that if you kill some folks, you can do well, but that's not Jesus Christ. So you and I have got to begin to get ready. This hard reset is about the cosmos Christianity, and you all should look it up. You don't have to wait for Dr. Price to do all of the work. I don't move fast enough for all of you, but look it up. Look at the, 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 the low-riding jeans and the crotch-clinging attire. Look at the boobs. All of that is about the cosmos. But let's talk about that for a moment. Cosmos means universe. So you have elements of universalism in your faith, in your Christianity. We know that because we know Brother Pearson pushed it and rammed it down our throats through inclusionism. We can say that because it's popular. He's been all over the world with it and whatnot, and it's still not working. So inclusionism and cosmos Christianity go hand in glove. So what is universalism? Universalism is crediting the universe with your personal, personal, protection, and success. That's universal. You, can, you don't have to have an individualized deity. You can actually just sling a prayer out to the cosmos and see who picks it up. Now, you don't do that with your doctor. You don't do that with your attorneys. You don't do that with your job. You don't just say, I'm going to sling my resume to the wind and see who picks it up and see where it lands. Come back with the job. You don't do that. Universalism is, is largely Asiatic in its, in its context, and it carries all of the strong men of paganism, which is idolatry, adultery, adultery rather, fertility, sexuality, or promiscuity, and sorcery, which is potions and intoxication. Those are the strongholds of paganism. And so all of that, you, you, the idolatrous pieces that you choose, you hope anybody out there in the universe, anybody can hear us. I got a cancer diagnosis today. Universe, universe, please help me. Are you kidding me? You don't want to, you, don't, you want to know that somebody's picking it up. You want to know that. And so you have television shows that says the universe smiles on me. What part? Because when I watch the Science Channel, the universe is not smiling. It's a very violent place. It's violent, it's ruthless, it's cold, and anybody who can say that today in the wake of the scientific and technological advancements that we have right now is truly blind. I've watched, I, I, and I've, I've said this on the show before, I'm going to say it again because it bears repeating and different people watch. I watch the Science Channel a lot. I have this thing, you know, uh, the Earth Unexplained NASA films and the Earth Unexplained and Weird Weather. I, I watch all of that. And when I watch that, I watch black holes running around the universe destroying, 
galaxies and constellations. Is that the universe that smiled on you? Because I need to know. I'm trying to figure it out. I watch galaxies uh, moving throughout the universe, gobbling stars, ruthlessly eating them up as if they are nothing. That's the universe that's smiling on you. First of all, they don't have enough light out there to smile. So what are they grinning about? So I'm thinking, are you the are you the, the, the black hole person? Is that your deity? The black hole one is walking around, moving throughout the universe? Though, or is it those wicked orbits that are tearing up star, um, um, what do you call it, star um, clusters and, and uh, yeah. galaxies? Yeah. No, where they're born. They're um, nurseries, star nurseries. Is that what you're talking about? Are you talking about the, the, the ruthless galaxies? Are you talking about the asteroids? Are you talking about, see, meteors? See, because there's a lot in the universe that is not, pleasant to anybody. That's why we're the only one with some blue and some green on it. Because everything else is dead or deadly. And you're talking about that. But these are universalism. Universalism. All religions are the same because they all come from the same. You know, the the scientists talking about we're born from stars. Are you kidding me? A star wish they could make me. We're We're all born from the same stuff that stars are. No. No, we're not. That's not true. Now, it's believed, but it's not true. So you have to do your homework because this cosmos Christianity that you're talking about is about literally separating you from Jesus Christ, stripping you of the Holy Spirit, and then leaving you naked and pray to whatever deity that's going on. There is a passage in Jude I like. I always like this passage. And since Jude is a small book, one page, we can probably get there. Because, you know, we got some books. Can we talk about Isaiah, the Bible itself? Isaiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, 55 chapters or something. There's a lot happening there. How about the 119 Psalm alone takes you a year? Okay. That whole thing takes you a year. So I want to share something because when we talk about universalism, you need to find out that all of this is in Scripture, and God has an answer. Bless his heart. We just love our God. Don't we love him? We love him. As soon as I can find the pages, you know? You love the Bible, but the thin pages do embarrass you in public. They are. Now, we talk about the universe, and we talk about stars. Jesus says that stars are, um, you know, are messengers. And, and, you know, some of them are harbingers, evil or omens, and others are celebrated messengers. Let me, get, let me see if I can find this thing. What's on word? Okay, I want to go to Jude. Jude is talking about, first of all, Everything, we can see why they, they got a problem with the Bible, because, you know, LGBT is trying to really ban the Bible. And I'm like, not while I'm on my watch. I'm telling you, I know this for real. And I know this really because the Holy Ghost said, no, i got some things I want to get done first, and I'm still God, you know. But anyhow, um, when we talk about how people are saying that God isn't going to do this or that, 
So let's go forward. For there are certain men, Jude 4, crept in unawares who were old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men. Remember people said they want an ungodly religion or godless religion? Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. That means these people pretended to be saved, acted like they were converted, but in the end, they came, they crept into the church and started teaching sexuality and promiscuity as, um, as God's uh, accepted favor or indulgences and denying the only Lord and our Lord, the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believe not. You know, we teach you this kind of stuff. We say, let me get my, my bangs out my eyes. Hallelujah. And so, got, got some new hair, guys? You like my new hair, dude? I'm just going to say, you know, since I'm moving. But we teach this. We always tell people that God, once saved, always saved. There is nothing in Scripture that says once saved, always saved. I'm reading to you here now. And there are other passages. For example, 1 Corinthians uh, 10. And said, but afterwards, so he pulls up, God may put the call out to everyone, but those that don't convert and conform, they don't make it in. He doesn't keep them. That's what the parable of the net is. When he throws his net out, gathers all of these things, and then turns around and throws them back. See, we we fighting with the throwback. We didn't know that. We you know, we fighting with throwback. And so, and it says, but he he said, having said, he put everything that belonged to Abraham came out, but not everything went in. And so he said, who believe not? And then, then, now this is on earth. Let's look at him cosmically. This is the cosmic side of God. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. I always love that. Left their own habitation. And I will explain that in a minute. He has reserved an everlasting change unto, un, uh, under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So God has angels that he's already sent to hell for what you're saying he's going to forgive you for. He has angels already doing it. All right? I'm trying to see what I got going on here. Okay. You know, me and Norma had a discussion about this. He already has angels that he sent to hell. Hear me. I'm going to say it again. Because, see, you all act as if God shut hell, you know, once he got all the spirits in it. No, no, no. God says hell was made for the devil and his angels, and he's taking men or humans with him. So these angels just kept not there. They're they're already in hell waiting their final judgment, which is, of course, Lake of Fire. And then, but let's look at first uh, this estate. Let's let's look at this. Because I really do like the way the Holy Ghost phrases things. First of all, lasciviousness means lustfulness, licentiousness, lewdness, wantonness. You know, like the way the women are dressing in church, that's lewdness. We, we, we forgot there's a word for that. And it's called lewdness. It, it, it is not a grace indulgence. It is lewdness. And they dress that way because of wantonness, meaning I need something to take care of me because I'm hot, because y'all watching all them little videos, et cetera, and you're sitting thinking, well, I mean, God's not killing them. Let me tell you something about God. God is a very merciful God. But do you know why he is he's long-suffering? Because those women and those men who are rising up and rebelling against him could have children that were in Christ before the foundation of the world. So and, and rather than 
lose the wheat, he tolerates the tear. So don't get it in your mind that just because so-and-so has gone against Scripture that God is without recourse or that God somehow is held hostage to their rebellion. Don't believe that. You know, the woman that took prayer out of school had a son that fought to put it back. You understand? So God is looking down the line. He's trying, so he's not just judging the, the act. He's judging the seed. So he sees that down the line, this man is going to want to undo what his mama did. A lot of your preachers that showed off and, and cut up, God did not wipe them out because of their kids. And because those kids had a, had a future and a hope that God had already ordained. Remember, Psalm 139 says that the Lord wrote a book for everybody, and every day was lost before that we even made it. So when you look at that thing and you say, well, well, gee, I mean, he didn't touch this one. He didn't touch that one. He, touched, he, he protected them for the sake of the seed of righteousness, the righteous seed that they would bring forth to be a solution to what their parents have done. Don't you just like that? Yeah, I got to wear my bell. Did they take my bell again? If they took my bell, I'm going to Okay. I don't have a bell. I don't have a clock. And that was really good. But in any event, I want you to hear me. Your parents, even if, if your parents messed up with Christ and you see it differently, you might be the solution. And so rather than destroy your parents or to have you raised as an orphan and thus ill-equipped to be used by him, God will tolerate that parent, tolerate that aunt, that uncle, that relative, or whoever the authority figure is in your life. Do you like this? Is this talking to you all? Because I don't know about you, but that's it. Some of you all, your kids are going to correct you. Your kids are going to go and do another thing. Some of you all, you're, you're the kids that are doing it. I love my mama, I love my daddy, but they got caught up in something. I don't know what, but that's but God has spared me and now sent me to do it differently. You know, Jesus the son of Jesus was as much the son of Adam, hallelujah, as he is the son of So he's got to create create correct rather Adam's mess as the son of God. I know you like that. That's got to be something. I I don't know about hey, I got my coffee though, guys. Did you see? I got my sip I'm I'm sipping. It was good today. This morning I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's really good. So now, uh, isn't it wonderful? Well, we family. You know, this is a family breakfast morning thing. I'm having fun. So it says that they kept not their first estate. And under that, the word estate means, uh, which I think is so powerful, they're saying, talking about state, because they were the state of the divine realm, status, Condition, which is angelic. They kept not their first place or their first office or their first property or possessions. They didn't even keep their first dwelling. So this is what God means when he said the angels kept not their first estate. They literally took themselves out of the angelic realm, out of celestial form, and took the form of humans by reproducing themselves with the daughters of men. 
Now, so moving on, verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication. And fornication, this is really interesting because it says here that what they did, believe it or not, was a legal act or illegal act. Look at her. She's getting in front of the camera and let everybody know she's making up to her. Did you see? She's saving, she's saving a day. Yes. And it says, Sexual relations between unmarried persons, Greek, any kind of illicit sexual relations. Now, and then going after strange flesh. This is interesting. This is alien flesh, which means demon, and it means same-sex flesh, and it means sexuality in body parts that are all unordained or prohibited. That's what it means. And so, and before everybody got all scared, Hallelujah. That's what he was talking about. Now, why does God have a problem with this? Well, we talked about it earlier, but I'll just run past it again. Number one, it wastes life because the, 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 the soul is in the egg and the spirit is in the flesh. That's the first, is, is the, uh, the seed. So that's how Jesus could be called the son of God because he said, therefore, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And the power of the highest will come upon you. And as a result, or therefore, that holy thing that is to be born from you shall be called the Son of God. So God himself, because you know he's got to be Alpha and Omega and everything, he literally performed the first in vitro insemination. Jesus is in vitro, divine in vitro. God put it in the womb. He dropped him right in Mary's womb at the right time for it to join that egg without that egg having to do anything but receive the, the seed of God. That's a powerful thought. Now, so God, so that's his first issue. His second issue is that it tears up family. If you think about it, we have had more family issues because of our whole agenda. And it redefines families according to what is cursed, which means these are cursed families. Now, I don't care how much the world says, yay, God says, nay. The world says, well, you have a right to do what you want. No, you, you don't. You have the ability and the capacity, but the right is not given to you because no righteousness can come from it. And so those are God's issues, and those are just a few. We're talking about that. They also foster a, a, a meanness. Look at how mean these people have been to us over the years. They are, that, that, that devil is a mean devil. He is mean. He's hostile. He's hateful and violent. I mean, you're talking about putting old folks out of business. You're talking about dragging people into court because they don't want to make, make your protest statement. You're talking about all of these kind of things that shouldn't matter if you were in the right. But instead, it's a very abusive belief. This is a, 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 an abusive community. I've never seen it differently. I grew up in Newark where it was like, you know, all over the place. And it was always mean and, and, and cranky and uh, catty and all that kind of stuff that just is not possible. I mean, think about it. Look at our Democratic Party. It is a mean institution. We don't know whatever happened to its politics. We just had an election where you win the House, and what are you going to do with your victory? Go after the president again and waste more of our money and time. That's a mean thing. But then murderers and things like that tend to be. So let's read on. 
Well, it's true. It says going after strange flesh. And so we covered that, foreign alien flesh, and are set forth for, as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. That is what is the, God has to do it. Now, hear me. We like to talk about, you know, uh, heaven and eternal fire. God, everything came from God. So God, you cannot cease to exist once God brings something into existence. He said, I work a work, who can reverse it? You cannot cease to exist. Death to God and death to us are two different things. Death to us is getting out of our little clay bodies and going back to the dust and our mortal souls and spirits going to God. When God receives them and he no longer has us in clay, God has to decide, do I want this, this departed soul and spirit with me because it's been with me throughout his life or away from me because it's been against me? And so what does God do? He quarantines all of those. That quarantine is hell. Hell is a prison. It's an incarceration for disobedient spirits. He says that. It's, it's a jail. So it's, it's, and, and why does he have them burning in fire? So that they no longer have the latitude or the capacity to thrive on his life. Because God is life. So they can't, as long as, so he's got them burning up. He has to burn these spirits and souls up because they, they get no opportunity for regeneration. Like, the way, the way the enemy is working today, the way Satan was, as that serpent was in the tree, he was in hell, but he still had the ability to get involved in God's business. The lake of fire is to literally uh, prevent them from ever get, doing anything but suffering in flames. Because if they're not suffering, they're going to try to get back in his business again. They're going to try to revive their lives again. They're going to try to, uh, to, to awaken things in them that even though they are off limits, they're not dead. So God's got, he's constantly burning them over and incessantly. Because you need to understand what's the big deal between hell and the lake of fire. Hell is a prison. Hallelujah. But the lake of fire is that chamber of torment that makes sure you never get in God's business again. You never get to use his life against him again. I don't know about you all. I need a bell. I don't have a cloth. Bring me a cloth. I got a bell. Don't have a cloth. And somebody's calling. So we're doing well today. <laughs> we're doing well. Woo, glory to God. Well, I don't know them anyhow, so maybe they'll catch on the blog talk. I want to ask you, did you find that interesting about hell and the lake of fire? So the lake of fire is the end of God using Satan and giving him work details. He will not get out. And everything that's there, even now, these angels, they're under judgment. They're under uh, Holy Ghost arrest in hell. But their time and their season or their youthfulness to God for the wicked is not yet finished. So they get out, because you know when we get to Revelation, these same angels that are, uh, uh, that are, that, what is it, are under, what is it again, under darkness for judgment, but they're they going to be um, released to carry out the end time prophecy of Jesus Christ. They're going to be released as the spirit of destruction that brings the world to its end. 
Ooh, I don't know about you, but that's the head of O'Shea, prophet. <laughs> and so when we look at, now this is all, I got all this here, Jew, little book that nobody want to read. And then it said, these also, likewise, filthy dreamers defile the flesh. In other words, these people have either two types of dreams, dreams of destroying others and sexual dreams that are abominable to the Almighty. These are two kinds of dreams. And so he said that they despise dominion or and speak evil of dignity. So let's talk about that. They, they despise dominion. What are they? They are talking, anybody who, you know, who is trying to do the right thing, anybody who holds a high position in God, anybody who handles God's uh, dignity and God's position, like have rank, uh, position, or, or any authority, they despise them. These are the people that tell you that the high church is stuck up and the low church is where it's at. See, you didn't think they were in the Bible, but they did. These are people who tell you that it doesn't take all of that and viewing God with a prestige, reverence, and esteem, and then conforming your life and appearance or your conduct and appearance to that are condemned. And so they despise God's dominion. And that doesn't just mean us on earth. It means angels, etc. Any type of order, these people hate authority. They hate order. They hate being told what to do. They hate accountability. So what do they talk you into? A religion that doesn't require you to be accountable to anyone but your faith. That's the first deception. If you buy that, I got three bridges. Because that's a lie. I'm telling you, because you can't have everybody on this earth is accountable to somebody, including the lying preacher that's telling you that you are not. Because you're unaccountable. They'll tell you not to be accountable, but then they tell you to pay your tithe. So where's that? They'll tell you to bring your offer. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst or dared not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuked it. Michael is a warrior. His job was to come and get Moses. His job was not to annihilate the, uh, the, um, the devil. Matter of fact, he'd already annihilated him, which is why he wasn't in heaven any longer. So he, I don't have to, you know, when he said death not, I think that's an interesting term. But the fact of the matter is he had already annihilated him. Satan had already been defeated by Michael. Now, you know that. He had already been defeated. So why did he have to tell him anything? He said, I've already done it. I've done my job. We, there was war in the heaven. Michael and his angels fought. The devil and his angels have fought. Neither were their place found in heaven any longer. So the fact that I am greater than you and stronger than you and mightier than you are, which is why I could take Moses' body from you. I love it. Isn't this good? Are they following y'all with me? You guys hanging with me? So he, that's why God sent him, because there was nothing he can do against him. And so he says he didn't bring a railing accusation. In other words, in God's world, and a, a, a lot of words, useless. Idle words, don't, they don't play that. When God's world, when you just say something, he said, let your yay be yay and your nay be nay, those idle words and all of this, what do you call it, excuses and, 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 and exclamations and, and, you know, pronouncements, God doesn't go about all of that. He, he hates a lot of words. That's why this era and social media would get on his nerves. Because people never shut up. 
and all of that. He said, because anything beyond your yea and your nay is of the wicked one. So if you say, yes, you can have some candy, he was like, yes was good enough. He says that we'll all give an account of every idle word we speak. Chat, chat, that, that, chat, chat all the time. Now, moving on. So he had to, um, he, they dispute, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, but he dared not bring against him, but said the Lord rebuke you. Now, why was the body of Moses so important? Because the devil wanted to use it in occultism and in witchcraft. He wanted to use it, perhaps even inhabit it himself, and tell everybody Moses didn't really die so that he could deceive the, God's people and become their ruler, even though Moses himself was not in that body. You have no idea how much these people opened, had opened and wanted open before Jesus came. You have no idea how, much, how powerful our Savior is that he shut down all of that because they were used to taking the, the body of dead dignitaries and pretending they'd never died. And then, but, but these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts and those things, they corrupt themselves. In other words, God is talking about people, folk arguing with us like on, on Facebook. It cracks me up when somebody who goes to church like at once a month want to yell at me about something I said. I'm like, but you know nothing. Why are we talking? Some of my answer just for fun. Others, I just dump it because it's just useless. It's like, what? You're not even in my league in terms of just years of service and, and uh, study. And so, anyway, the more a person rambles, the less and says nothing, the less they know. And God considers their, their conversation as, as, as relevant and significant as a brute beast. And then next we go after Cain. Well, they've gone re- re- greedily after the way of Cain, after the Arab Balaam for reward, and perished in the gang saying of Korah. Now, Korah was the one that said, if Moses is king, I'm king. God doesn't like any him more than he likes me. Who made Moses? Who made you ruler over us? So that was Korah. That was when the ground opened up and swallowed him. The Arab Balaam was, was divination for money. He was a prophet to the highest payer. And so that was it. And then Cain killed his brother because he wanted nature worship. He was pagan. Cain was your first pagan. So nature worship. And so in addition to that, he introduced religions and worships and sacrifices contrary to what the Almighty told Abel he wanted. And he killed his brother as a result of not wanting to worship God with a blood sacrifice. He wanted to worship God with fruits and veggies. And then he goes on and talks about these are, these are spots in your um, feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds. They are without water. They're like waterless clouds. They're carried by the wind. They, when you're in a drought, the last thing I want is a waterless cloud. You sitting up there looking all fluffy, full, and pretty, and I'm still dying of thirst. So I need, I need you not to be a waterless cloud. Uh, okay, trees whose fruit withers. We've all seen trees. You get a year, your, your, the fruit grows on your tree, you can't eat it. It's all shriveled up. And without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Now, I wanted you to hear this because this is spots in your feet. They have to do with your fellowship and communion. These people 
are there to destroy or pervert the communion. And at that time, it was more than cookies and crackers and wine. It was meals. It was a whole fellowship, whole celebration. You know, people always ask, why do Christians eat at the church? Because that's what we're based on, communion, fellowship. Amen. And then raging, now this is where I wanted you to go. This is what I wanted you to get. On shame. So he's using the water, the ocean, or the sea as a, a metaphor or allegory, if you will, for the masses of people that resist Jesus Christ. You want to be in the number of the masses or the remnant? Because you don't, you don't get to do both. Here's where we wanted to go. Now we're going cosmos. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Wandering stars. When you go back into earlier translation, it was they called them wandering planets. That you're talking about that are wandering your astrological constellation. You know, y'all like your sign, y'all in Jews. And it says, you know, who uh, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness. The blackness of darkness sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Dark would be black, wouldn't you think? But it means the lightless, with, you know, the lightness or the lack of light is what it's talking about. And it's talking about the blackness that was on the face of the deep. But it's also talking about those black holes that keep tearing up those other constellations. They serve a purpose for God. I don't know. They might be the, the patrol force or the sentinel that travels the planet, wiping out the cosmic um, rebels and renegades out there in the universe. Because, I, I, and I love watching this last one. I, I've watched it three times, the one on orbit, because who knew that orbit is how they took, took our planet? Did I know? No. But you know what? You need to know. The reason that I'm interesting today is because I'm preaching the same gospel from the same Bible, and I'm giving you relevant and relatable examples so that you'll understand that God did this in the spirit realm first. And so if he did it in the spirit realm first, and the spirit realm is the truth, the realm of truth, you need to know that you are not getting away clean. I don't care what your preacher says. I don't care what your, your pastor tells you, your prophet prophesied. You're not getting away clean. If, if you don't repent, your sins can't be remitted. Now, I like the fact that God uses the word remitted because you know what? The wages of sin is death. Don't we say that, prophet? So if the wages of sin is death, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, meaning remittance of your sin, when you have a bill every month, they tell you to remit your payment. Send it in. Send in the payment to maintain your service or to relieve you of the consequences. Oh, hallelujah. Of not paying. So you may love your phone. I just think that the, my cell phone, I've been my cell phone company a long time. I don't understand why I can't get a discount. Or my phone didn't work for two days, so I'm not paying them anything for the other 28 days that it did work. That's nice. But, see, that's the way, there's a way to that sin called service disconnect. And so when you start putting Christians together, the, the blood of Jesus pays the wages that God Almighty assigns to sin. 
So God has to be paid off. You got to do something. You, you mess up. You got to do something with that sin. And so God decided that, man, we were never going to come up with the right currency. We don't bring that cheap currency, that, that fake money, counterfeit money. God can't do anything with that because eternity's currency is sold. And so he said, no, nobody can give God a ransom for their soul. You got to pay God to get your soul back from the devil. Oh, I got to get me some. You know that's good. Do you like that? Oh, yeah. Forgot a hat? Because your soul was bought legally from Adam. So you, Paul said, we are... Well, you know, but we, we are sold under sin. Everything about this thing is a buy-sell and a buy-sell and a buy-back, a buy-sell, buy-sell. So all of this here just, well, you know, Jesus just loves me as I am. I don't care whether he loves you to pieces. I don't care if he cries every day hoping you get saved. He can't touch you until he buys you back. And he, you have got to put yourself on the market through repentance. And remit to get remission of your sin. You put yourself on display with repentance and contriteness. That's how you do it. And we're telling you that all you got to do is just say this prayer. No, no, no. A lot of people say that prayer because they're upset and they're just having a bad moment. But God says, you've got to give me some reason to give Satan the price of your soul. Because he, he said he exchanges souls for what he wants. He gave all of Egypt for the soul of Israel, for the soul of the children of Abraham. You have to understand. See, this is apostles' doctrine. This is the kind of doctrine that you haven't heard, and so you made a lot of decisions based on what you did here. And and it kind of put you in a, a very precarious place with the Lord. So they can give you all the permissions you want, but every sin is put to your account. And you've got to pay God for it. Now, we can say good deeds. No, the first thing you do to pay God for the sin that you commit, the wage, because there's a wage on your sin. So God is not killing you, so you got to pay him for it. Because the wages of sin is death. So for God to push back the destroyer to keep the assassins off your life, you got to give him something. Because in God's mind, the fact that the wages of sin is death is righteousness and justice to him. It's a just reward for sin. Death, God thinks, is a just reward for sin. Now, we got through talking about, we just got through talking about hell, and we just got through talking about everything else related to it and the difference between hell and the lake of fire. You know, in Luke 19, the, the selfish little guy was crying, talking about, could you send somebody here to tell my, because I'm in these flames. Now, why was he in flames and we are just sleep? Because the covenant in which he was judged was finished. So God did not need humans to come back and do any work for him. He needed those eternal spirits to do it. So they're in darkness. Under, and incarcerated, but he's in a lake of fire already because this judgment is finished. I'm done. I don't know about you all, but is God a sugar pot Jesus or what? I hear footsteps. And so I, while they're coming in, I just want you to understand because it's important that you know 
and appreciate that the way that the way heaven works and the way it, the Bible tells you it works and the way that you're hearing from these Kara Kara Mara phrases mm, is, is misleading. And a lot of you got some things to clean up with God. You were told that it, God's all right. Hey, God understands that you're only human and that you have needs, so you got your little shack partner there to take those needs on for you now and again. And, and, and the fact that they're in your house has indebted you to God's righteousness. You have a debt to his righteousness, and somehow or another, you have to pay your way out of it. And repentance is the number one payment. Obedience is second. Once you repent, then obey the word of the Lord. Come on in, prophet. Can you make it? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I need you to recognize that you are being duped. And God already has creatures in hell for doing what you're doing. He, they're already there. They can't get out. And they're waiting for the lake of fire. And humans can go to the lake of fire under the old covenant because there was nothing otherworldly that they can give God as a benefit to this world in the afterlife. Mm. Nothing. They had not, got nothing. They got nothing. Nothing. You got nothing to offer God. You know, Satan got a lot to offer God. He said, you know, I'm still good at deceiving. I'm still good at demoralizing. I'm still good at killing. Job killing. Yeah, he said, he said, so as long as God is reproducing people, Satan has job security. His, at least his work release is still there. But it, there was a time that God's going to end his work release for a thousand years. Because Jesus is going to be taking care of the planet. Isn't that good to know? Yes. And then it says after the 1,000 years are over, he gets another work release. Release to go and deceive people all over again. Isn't that nice? Auto-renewal. Yes. No, it's not auto, (laughs) but, you know. And so because he's on a work release, because, remember, he was in the water in the deep. Mm. And then God came back, replenished the earth, you know, renovated it, and then gave him his own apartment in a tree. In a lovely garden. In a lovely garden. <laughs> Set you up really good. Mm-hmm. And gave him an apartment. Gave him that serpent's body as an apartment to live in. Look at this. I'm even giving you something you can relate to. You were the serpent in heaven. I'm gonna get, look at this. I'm going to give you this nice little button. Look at this. And it said the serpent was more cunning than any other creature. Why? Because it was Satan's home. Well, wasn't it? It was his home. He's in the tree. But he was like, wait a minute. I mean, you know, uh, but this guy is made in your image and likeness, and I've always been trying to be like you. So what I'm going to do is I'm getting out of this body, and I'm getting in that one. And then he gets that pretty little thing on the side, too. I want one of them. (laughs) Cute. Woo, she's a cutie. I want that. And he's like, I want the body. And I want what's in him. And if he's anything like you, and I know that you make him just like you, he's got a whole lot of reproductions. I get a family. Boy, this is great. Oh, no, I got to get out of this. This little, this little snake thing not working for me. <laughs> I, got some, I got bigger dreams. I don't have arms. I don't, you know, I don't have that. I got bigger dreams. I've been, and God is so cool. He said, well, you know, I didn't want you to do it in my world, but I'm going to let you do it here. Because I controlled you here. Wow. Wow. Hmm. Anyway. So you sound like somebody who's been on television. 
I was on television, <laughs> yes. and I'll be on at one o'clock today too. In the, in the what time? And you're on the now. I'll, I'll be on in five minutes. Don't y'all leave me and go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave me to go see me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to be on the Greg Davis show on the Word Network in just a few minutes. We had a wonderful time. I thank both Bishop Greg Davis and also Bishop George Bloomer for giving me just an opportunity to be on their show. Both of them have welcomed me back. So you guys pray that it happens quickly. Yeah. It means you all. Yeah, but I had fun. I did. I had a lot of fun. Oh, and then yeah. I was on plus or minus, six, or minus 60, and I thank God so much for, for Minister Mark. She was a great host great. in Ohio. That was also they had fun with her and uh, Rich and Eugene. Yeah. me. Look at me remembering that. Remember Turn on. I'm back. This is a breakthrough moment. You know, but this seat is good for me. I'll tell you right here. This is she, she is flowing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Did you all enjoy Prophet Adia and the team last week? Because, you know, we, had to, we threw <laughs> them in. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm telling you. It's, it's, it's the seat. It's the seat. I'm telling you, it's the seat. Juice comes up out of it. But um, I do so... I know that some of you all are going to want to leave me, but you know what? You're going to be so torn because we're going to have conversation and discussion, and you know how you hate the mix. So, so set your DVR. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yeah. and they both, did they, do they both do a Facebook Live? Um, Word Network uh, Facebook Live. Okay. Program. There you go. And, so. and uh, Bishop Boomer Broadcast Live. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this is wonderful. Anyway, who's starting? Who wants to start? <laughs> Ashley. Prophet AIT Ashley. Really? <laughs> okay. Well, I know. Well, I. What are you going to say first? Because then I won't say what you were going to say. She's got a lot of blue over here, though. Okay. Well, I want to talk about apostates. Uh, let's talk about it. Because about you, you said today, we, talk, we, started, we started today talking about the Cosmo Christian. You mentioned the teaching that uh, mm-hmm. Chief Prophet Hala did when we were in Iowa. Um, and, and you kind of have pushed us and kind of expanded mm-hmm. upon that today. So you said apostate Christians. We don't talk about apostate Christians. So let's talk about it. Well, apostate Christians. <laughs> Look, it's just be so perfect. You know, I love the generations that I'm dealing with like, And go. Go, go. And so the word apostate means to stand away from one's faith, to abandon, to abandon the faith, or and also to defect from the founder of your faith. So you stand away from it, which means these are the Christians that don't want to acknowledge that they are Christians. These are the, the Nicodemus. Let me come at night. I go to night church, like people go to night court, you know. I go to night church and wait, and I come late and I leave early. I love those people. They always come late and leave early. But yet these are the people that when they're out with their friends, they don't want anybody to know that they're Christian. That's number one. The other one is to defect from Jesus Christ, which means the, and the word is so apropos because it speaks to Christ installing you in himself and installing himself in you. And so what you want to do is making you a member of his royal family and his holy nation. Now, when you defect from a nation, and we all know what that means, mm-hmm. you defect, okay, so you pretty much have to criminalize and vilify your nation to defect. Otherwise, you've just left. You're on vacation, <laughs> you're on vacation or you just decide, I want to you know, change residence, relocate. So defection and relocation are not necessarily the same thing in national terms, you know, in terms of country. So when you defect 
defect or when something is defective. You defect because your faith in Christ is defective. Which means that it lacks utility, functionality, relevance, pertinence, clarity, usefulness, and I can go on. Because we don't talk about apostate, you know, but that's what it means. Because apple means a wet and state means sand or Saturn. And so we can go, you know, when you do that, you just decide, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't like Christianity, you know, or you want to be a cosmos Christian, which is a defective form of Christianity. Cosmos Christianity is defective because these are people who defected from Jesus Christ or they are too defective for the new creation, for the new birth. And so they don't know it. Nobody tells you this. They just make you, they, you just hear all this propaganda and it sounds so good and you're tired of church because in your mind you see churches long, boring, sermons that say nothing, long-winded teachings and a whole lot of rebuke, a whole lot of condemnation and criticism. So in your mind, this is it. That's not Jesus' church. That's a false Jesus' church. Because the true Jesus is exciting. I know I've been with him for 30 plus years and I have a good time with the Lord. Now, and so you just, after years of that, you're like, I don't know. And so you still, your spirit is still hungry, so you want to feed your spirituality, and you feed it with the flesh. You feed it with the doom that was in the, in the tree. Hmm. So instead of destiny, you choose doom. Well, wow. That's what I'm saying. Did I talk enough and, about it? And okay. Because I just think people don't know. They don't even hear the word. Actually, is you know, especially in a culture where we're told that you don't ever fall away from Christ like but, that. You know what I mean? That you're never awful. really beyond the grip of Christ. And I think that we've we've polluted that message quite a bit. You know, by 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 convincing people that you know with songs you're never too far from His mm-hmm. grip, and you know what I mean. I think that that creates a mentality that no matter what I do to betray mm-hmm. the cross, I can mm-hmm. still come back to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but those are Christ abuse lyrics. They don't yeah. speak anything. Well, and we don't even talk in terms of that kind of truth of I'm abusing Jesus. Uh-uh. Exactly. It's, it's, you know, I just sin despite my greatest efforts. <laughs> I keep, because everything is always making us the hero. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no or matter, the victim. Yeah, or the victim, or the victim. which ends up being the hero. Because yeah. some big bad force mm-hmm. made you fall. Yeah. And no matter what, we just have. We paint uh, Christians and, and people as just having always the purest most. I mean, I was on my way to living just my best life for God, <laughs> doing whatever, and I ended up in bed with 10 people. You know, and it's, but okay. hey, and so then we have reckless love. And, and no matter how terrible I, I, I treat God, no matter what I do, he's going to just jump off of his throne and chase me down over over the river and through the woods. I mean, we have come together, concepts with so many ideas. Yeah. To, say that, house, I to say that his top priority is seeing to it that I'm loved. Yeah. And, and you know what? Uh, in my rebuttal, on my 17 rebuttals, I actually dealt with that today as far as um, writing them. And one of the things that God took me back to, he said, but you know, when they tell me that I know the heart, that God's word is a we forget that God's word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. You just want God to know your heart as far as your own conscious intent go. You don't really want to know what God knows about your heart because you wouldn't survive it. Because Jesus said yeah. out of the heart came everything he did. Yeah. Out of the heart came evil thoughts. <laughs> yeah, you like that. <laughs> is that why you started? I was wondering, I said, why is it sitting well, this, this is your, you know, it's 
adjudication hand. Okay. This is the gavels right. over here. Yeah, you you know, all your stuff, time. you know. Go, girl. And so, <laughs> <laughs> it just seemed right. <laughs> just, yeah. Just in case I didn't get it. But but evil thoughts, it talks about sexual immoralities. It's talking about adulteries. It's talking about promiscuity. It talks about all theft. It's talking about all kinds of things that fit what you just did. So what do you think God knows about your heart? That you're an adulterer. So why are you trying to tell us something different? Adultery? Well, it's adultery. It's an affair. It's a slip-up. It's a lapse in judgment. It's an emotional. We have emotional affairs. I'm like, are you kidding me? We have, you know, Dr. Price, these harsh, harsh words. Adultery is so... I won't even use the word. I won't even use the word. I will use it. I'll work with you. Let's play a little bit. Oh, Lord. Okay. So we don't like the word adultery. Let's just talk about sleeping with somebody else's spouse. Isn't that better? Because now you're taking your sexual allegiance and you're giving it to someone else. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say that. You Did know. you sleep with Did your stuff into the stuff? Okay, I can go with you on this. Don't worry, I can go. Did your stuff into the stuff? I was. I was good because you know what? I'm trying to behave. I'm trying to get on. You know? So, but did your stuff? Did, were you up in somebody else's butt? <laughs> and was, uh, and did you have somebody up in yours? Because you can call it whatever you want. Yep. And why are you married? Because if you weren't doing it in the sanctity of marriage, then it is adultery. And I like the word adultery because Ooh, when we say something is adulterated, that means it's per- it's perverse and destroyed. Right. Ooh, my God. Contaminated. Contaminated. Yep. Distorted. You know, when somebody says I'm giving you the unadulterated truth, what are they saying? Nothing but the truth. So adultery and adulterated, which I always wonder why we separate adult from adultery, because adults usually commit adultery. Because Jesus doesn't call that in the Bible. He doesn't use the term adult. He obviously had it there, or the people who translated it obviously had that as an option. He doesn't. He calls us mature. Huh. He said of a mature man. He talked to her. He never, he never says adult. But, oh, right, because we want to teach about an age of accountability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, he, doesn't. he doesn't. God's like, are you kidding me? God will, God will chasten a little kid the way a little kid should be chasing. Okay. I know it because my kids were kind of obsessed with Jesus. Well, so why are you crying that Jesus told me? I did, I did, I did. Okay. He did Jesus, though. He did. Okay. Jesus was twisting. Yes, he was. Oh, yeah, son. Yeah. Behave yourself. So when you say to me, you just, uh, we can use any other catch-all phrase you want, but it's not the, the word. It doesn't end with the word or the sound. It literally is what that word or sound defines, and that is you are in somebody else's body that you are not married to. That's adultery in the Bible. And when you get out of this body where, where you got all of your lie protectors and you stand in front of Jesus Christ, the lie detector, so your body, your body protects your life because you got culture and society agreeing with you. But when you stand before the throne by yourself and it's just your soul and it's just your spirit, you won't know quite clearly what it is that Jesus sees. And he won't tell you because, you know, when you get real close to the Lord, I found out that, you know, how God says stuff and then you like, like Sarah laughs. But God, before Sarah, before Sarah says she didn't laugh, God heard her. Right. So the, your first response is what the Holy Ghost picks up, and that's what he registers. Even if you have sense enough to come back and clean it up and kind of reformat it. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, no, he pulls up that first one because my, my heart would answer answers God before my mouth does. And I tell you, when you 
are walking in that kind of deception about who you are, mm-hmm. encountering someone like you. Oh, yeah, I'm a little uncomfortable. Are, then you really do want to respond according to what you've always said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not according to what is just blasting mm-hmm. out of your heart, the sentiment. Oh, yeah. We really don't think that people can pick up on the sentiment of our heart, which, as you just referenced to. So when you talk about God knows your heart and God loves you, just because God loves you doesn't mean he can lead you, doesn't mean he can save you, doesn't mean he can redeem you. It just means that God so loved the world. That's a sentiment. Hallelujah. It's not an event. Love is not an event. We think it's this kind of, you know, events that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's not. It's not an event. And you have to recognize that love is an emotion, it's a sentiment, and that motion, if God may be motivated by love to do what he wants, but he is not motivated by love to take what you put in his face. He just, God, I told you, God ignores a lot of foolishness for the sake of the redeemed, for the sake of those who were in Christ before the foundation of the world. And so you may not have been in Christ, but your kid could have been. I find it so sad. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that earlier. We'll go back to that because probably uh-huh. and I exchanged a moment uh-huh. before like, did you just say that? Uh, you forgot it. No. I think it's really sad that we really are an institution as far as the church that has completely removed our God from what we say we're serving. Mm-hmm. You think about Islam, everything they do is about their God mm-hmm. and how he's going to react and burn you up and do all these other things and what you're going to mm-hmm. get on the other side. Or them. bless them and give them what they want. And give them what they want. And you think about these other ones, it is the loyalty and allegiance to whatever their God is requiring that determines who is worthy mm-hmm. of even service yeah. to that deity. And in Christianity, we were talking earlier, I'm thinking we have rewritten the Bible. Mm-hmm. We need to stop calling these things translations. They're, uh-uh, they're these are interpretation. These are transliterate. These have gone in, what, inspired by. Mm-hmm. Inspired. A by. lot of these Bibles are inspired by Jesus Christ. Jesus inspired by a book. Mm-hmm. You know, inspired by the New King James twenty five years ago, and not an actual text that leads us. You said, "Can I read this one line?" Mm-hmm. Right. In our AIT, this is our Scriptures Authoring Mantles book, and you said, "As the Lord's apostle." And royal appendage, which you talked about on this show once, being an appendage, you must speak his words with his mentality. Mm-hmm. And that's where we drop the ball. First of all, we've changed his words. Mm-hmm. I was trying to find a couple of scriptures just in my homework thinking, I know. I know this scripture is in his book. And had to go back and go back in different, to the King James mm-hmm. translation to realize. And the oh, old ones, not the yes, new ones. Because the, the new ones. ones are now, they didn't change the King and the James. <laughs> King Jimmy. <laughs> I got this from Jim's book. Who's Jim? King Jim. Who's King Jim? <laughs> well, he's the son of King James. Oh, okay. Because oh. I thought King James never had any kids. So he's Junior James. <laughs> Junior James. Okay. James. King J.J. And so you said, doing so demands you know his communication first subconsciously, and then intellectually. Mm-hmm. You're enjoying your book. I am enjoying my book. By exchanging myself. thinking for feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that requires thinking. You know, one of the first articles that we 
we were given when we were doing prophets training with Dr. Price was God is a thinker and then God's in co-creation, both to help us understand that our logos mm-hmm. had to be engaged if we were ever going to understand God. And one of the first things I remember being taught as a, as a prophet in training at that time, really like a baby, baby, baby prophet, was that in order to be successful as a prophet for God, I had to learn how he thinks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, today everything is so feeling-oriented, mm-hmm. you know, um, even, in, even in the prophetic mm-hmm. and apostolic, the way that we're seeing it now, you know, God is changing that by, by bringing your voice out and, 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 and even bringing your message out so it can be perpetuated mm-hmm. so people start thinking differently even about what being an apostle and prophet is, mm-hmm. you know, but that we are stuck in feeling mode. Yeah. And now I, I'm recognizing more the con of that, mm-hmm. you know, that it causes Ooh. us to not really understand the God that we're serving, which is why we're so quick to change him. You mm-hmm. know, the prophet actually spoke on the fact that we're changing. Absolutely. You know, so we think we're doing life with God, but we're doing life with a God we made. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the problem. I think that that's what mm-hmm. your voice is helping to fight. You know, that it's not the God we fabricated but it, who he is, mm-hmm. you know, and we've gotten so comfortable with the God that we have imagined mm-hmm. and envisioned and created for ourselves. You know, it's like when Moses came down off the mountain, okay, the and they had yeah, created their own God, mm-hmm. you know, and in a sense, we've done that, yet we're calling him the same. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, and let's talk about for a moment calling him the same. When you read the Old Testament, you see, you know, Baal Perez and Baal um, Peor and Baal, you know, Zedek and all of that. All of those are what is happening to Jesus Christ today. Right now. They, they abuse with Baal. Hallelujah. And so Yahweh has now been replaced with the word Baal. And then instead of Yahweh, you know, uh, Malchizedek or something like that, which is righteousness, it is now Baal, who Baal's righteousness that we're following, and Baal's breach, and Baal's this and that. And it, has, it was handed down from the rebel parents to the children, so by the time it gets to the third or fourth generation, kids don't know anything wrong with it. That's yeah. where we are with today's millennials. They don't know what's wrong. Well, they're in shock. You know, they're like, what? <laughs> well, and like we were talking about on previous shows, and even conversations I'm sure we've all had, these uh, younger ministers who are launching ministries are starting them based on what they disagreed with growing up. Yes. Absolutely. And it's the pastor I disagreed yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And so the legalism that mm-hmm. we experience, the whatever, and, and that's just not necessary to come to Jesus and to feel his love. And it's because it's about the people. We mm-hmm. have become a citizen-centered. Yeah. Land to fear. It's all about people. The church of the people. We're the land to fear in church. You know, because you all talk about that. You know, it's the people. When I sit down with um, leaders way back then when I was in Jersey and stuff, um, that said that, yeah, but it's the people, you, you know, but the people don't want it. That was Saul's issue. Yes, it was yes. about the people. God literally, um, what do you call it, demoted Saul because of his thing with the people. Yeah, but the people don't like it. And you act as if the people know what they're doing. Satan needs the masses. That's why it's a raging form of sea. He needs the people yelling at you and rising up against you to get into your seat. And mislead them. Mm. See, uh, people, people uprisings are never about the people. They don't really, most of us too busy. We trying to cook, go to work, get some kids in college. You know what I mean? Keep a job, make a living. So the people don't have time to give the issues that they're shouting about the attention that they should give it. But the, those who are inspiring them, those who are instigating those protests, they plan for the people to demand that you replace 
the, the present leader with him. This is all a con. Don't get it. There's no such thing as a spontaneous protest. Protests are planned. They're strategized. They're calculated. Somebody in the back room has said, this should be me. And it goes all the way back to, A, heaven, mm-hmm. when the devil said, I, will, I want to re- replace God. I want to be on the throne with God. I want to replace Jesus. His problem was always Jesus. It was Jesus in heaven. That's why the Christ was part of how he got thrown out. It has always been Jesus. You think Satan's problem is religion? It is not religion. It is the man, Christ Jesus, who kicked him out of heaven. And you need to stop thinking that it is about a protest over religion, and it's about spirituality, and it's about the cosmos. It's about none of that. If it isn't, when you read Revelation 12, it says that the Christ threw him out. Of heaven. You mean Jesus is the Christ in heaven? Right. And that's where we get deceived. And you as Christians, you buying into all of these campaigns and buying into all of these things because you really think it's about politics. It is not about politics. It is about promotion and it's about replacement. And he, every step of the way from heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the most high. In other words, God made Jesus Christ his first begotten exactly like him, and he didn't make that cherub that way. And that cherub has not forgiven God about it. He's not gotten over it. He's still mad. Why am I not up on the mouth of, 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 of the gods? Why am I not up there above the stars of God? I ought to be above the stars of God. Why am I down here in this little dim world? I need to be up there. And it goes off. The, our, our God and his Christ, our Lord and his Christ, and his Christ and his Christ. The issue has always been because Jesus has always been creation's monarch. Always. Wow. Always. When you read it, and so we get caught up in that, and so you look at all of this stuff on Facebook, and you look at all of this, this stuff that they're doing, and you can't call it Antichrist because you're too busy being cosmos. Oh, Lord. You don't realize the problem is Jesus Christ. It has always been Jesus Christ. And when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to look in that man's eyes and you're going to realize, man, I blew it and I can't fix it. Because you're going to realize that he is not what you think he is. He is not what Satan has painted him to make you feel he's too weak to save you. He is the maker of that cherub. And that cherub hates it. They hold this to the Son of God, his very existence. He hates it, and he's going to fight about it until the end of time. That's what it's about. Because people keep buying into that, that, well, you know, this is my, that's just religiosity. No, no, no. There was a world before this one, and that world created this one. Proverbs 8 says it. 8.22 says, before I was brought forth, before ever the earth was, before there were water, before there was anything. That means that we are older than 4 billion years. Because we were in Christ before the foundation of the world. We're older than the oldest galaxy by counting terms. Because, you know, God doesn't count like that. Right. And that's what, so we are part of that. When, he, when that devil rolls up against his maker, we were in Christ. Look at that. Give Jesus. You know, I'm kidding. That's a little extra. Wow. <laughs> Just a little extra. So I want you to understand, stop, you Christians, you following all of the things that this world is telling you. They're telling you that Jesus is not this and that. This is, this thought God has given Satan this world to deceive those who won't heed. He is here to deceive you. And you need to be looking for where the deception is instead of the exception. Oh. Wow. And that is, I mean, that's what this is about. They said, Dr. 
life. How can you be strong? Because I, I had a visit. I got the truth. See, when you go and get the backstory, you go and get the truth. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, that's a lie. That's not. That's mm-mm. that's a lie from the pit of hell. That's not God. And on and on and on. You yourself have got to defend your faith because your faith is the currency that's going to, or the the the, uh, the the currency that's going to save your soul. Because when God looks in your soul, He wants to see faith, not unbelief. Because heaven is, that has no faith in the soul in God's realm. Every soul is full of faith, comprised of faith, made of faith, and exuding faith. Faith is a utility in his world. Well, it's when you were talking yeah. about knowing mm-hmm. what's really going on. I mean, it's, it's just like whenever mm-hmm. you watch behind the scenes of a film or something, mm-hmm. and you realize now a lot of people won't watch behind the scenes because it ruins the whole movie. So now when you watch it, you have to choose Mm -hmm. to watch beyond what you know is actually happening. Well, that's really a green screen. Well, they're really Mm -hmm. on a wire. Now in your mind, you know it's not real. But because they've done so good job of hiding it. Yes, but then it just becomes too real. You're like, this whole thing is contrived. Yes, this whole thing. <laughs> and then your, your actor is actually standing on two crates so that they can be at the same level yeah. as the other one. And the camera is hanging here. And well, we had to t- do a retake 15 times to get this right. This mm-hmm. whole perfect, whole perfect moment in the movie mm-hmm. took two weeks to shoot. <laughs> and you're like, ah, it's over. It's ruined. And so now what? They've created an entire thing called spoiler alert. Yeah. We are spoiling everything you your guys fantasy. Because, yeah. because there is nothing new under the sun, yeah. you know? And, and everything, I mean, the, the, everything that was powerful and is powerful for the angels that did not leave their first estate was, was literally snatched from. Yeah. You know, I remember reading Ezekiel 28 when God saw man was saying, he said, but I'm going to bring fire out of the midst of you. Yeah. I said, ooh. That because you know what? In your midst is your utility. In yeah. your midst is just where your spirit is. And it is stocked with everything that makes you get along in the world of Christ and, and produce and, and self-generate and all of those kinds of things. He said, but I'm going to burn up all of that in you, all that made you you. I'm burning it up. He said, I'm going to bring fire. That's why that dragon can't do nothing but spew fire. Oh, isn't that something? Because God said, I'm, I'm burning up everything in you. See, you Christians, see, people unsaved, they don't need, come on, you know, mm-hmm. they, they just need to hear Jesus loves them and let's come on in. But once you get in, you got to figure out how to stay in and stay happy with your choice and stay content with your choice because that's the problem. You backslide because you fall out of love with your choice because Ooh. you're in a place where, and if you, where you go to church where people don't love Jesus, you know, Paul said, and let everybody who loves the Lord Jesus Christ, because, mm-hmm. see, not everybody loves him. There are people who, who appreciate Jesus' philosophy, but they don't love him. Uh, there are people who appreciate yeah. his doctrine. Yeah, true. You know, they don't love him, but it is up to us who bear him in our being. It's up to us to make sure everybody knows he is Lord, and he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because we don't really say that any longer. Oh, you said that. That made me think of a song. Yeah, I know. That he is Lord. Yeah, you did. I mean, we just think, oh, 
about God, we offer his majesty and our submission to it. Yes, and how privileged we are that yes. he chose us. Because I told you, I don't know, we, we talked, was it Sunday service? We talked about, when he talked, talked about a name, when Jesus gave us his name, mm. it's like when you give an adopted child your name. What does that mean? Oh, when you give an adopted child your name, you know, they, they were born to, you know, Billy and Susie's side of the road, back of the truck. I am side of the road, back of the truck, are you? <laughs> and Jesus gives you a name. And his name is not just something that people call. It's a name of fame. It's a name of fortune. It's a name of power. It is a name of, of, of acceptance and dignity. And so he gave you his name. He said, y'all can use my name. When that kid says, I can use your name, I'm a doctor kid. I was in the, the uh, you know, child services facility, oh, but yeah. I am now here. I got a birth certificate with your name on it. Hallelujah. And now I can get a driver's license and I can do all of these things with your name. And then you give me your credit card and say, hey, this is your name. Do you realize? that we don't even think about what it means. And yet if somebody adopted you, some wealthy person adopted you and gave you their name, you would be, your whole life changes, your status changes, where you live, how you walk, the people that you how you look, and your, all of your capacities and capabilities are changed because you were adopted and they gave you their name. So you talk to a kid who was adopted by a great family, they can tell you all about what Jesus did. Jesus. They can tell you about that very clearly because they're like, no, because I was over there. We had one bowl and one this and one this and one. Now I got a whole room, <laughs> a whole, this whole house. Sure, and whenever you are with your natural-born parents, you're usually trying to prove why they don't meet your expectations. Oh, uh, yeah. And you don't know. And you don't know. You, you don't know. And you don't realize what it is to have a parent who has a name because by virtue of that parent's name, you are covered here, folks. The folks just don't think certain things will happen to you and on and on and on. And so when you take that and transfer it to the Lord Jesus Christ, he gave us a name. Well, why did he have to give us a name? Because what did he say when he was leaving? And they were, he said, you know, I got to leave you guys. And the apostles of man, they like scared and whatnot. Wait a minute, hold on, because they've been riding on the presence of Jesus Christ. Oh, well, well, they well, were well, riding well. on his presence in the land. You say you have to go. Girl, what does that mean? Are we you know? saying them pray? No, they said we're going to. We're going with you. No, no, where I go, you they cannot go. We're with her. No, no. And you do, and they do. And, and so, and so, why did he oh, do yeah. that? He said, "Listen, it's expedient to you that I go away, because if I do not go." The comforter cannot come. I will not leave you often. That bump, boom. That's the what come up, boom. Yeah. The teamwork is. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, I will not leave you orphans because when you don't have a God taking credit for you in the realm of the spirit, you are an orphan. And everything that a physical orphan lives, you suffer. You can't cut a break. Nobody wants to take credit for you. Nobody likes you. People look at you and they just pick at you. You don't even know why. Or you are just, you're struggling and it's hard and nobody appreciates what you've done. So in God's realm, when you are a universalist, in God's mind, you're an orphan. Mm, because nobody. So if the world doesn't take credit for you, if the world doesn't take responsibility for you, or you don't get somebody, one of these kind of secret societies or whatever, to take responsibility for you, for which they will totally uh, debate you. Wow. Yeah. 
If you don't do that, you're an orphan. So Jesus was saying to them, I took you from Judaism. I took you from the law of Moses, and I brought you into my gospel. Mm -hmm. And I did it as gods do, as deities or deities do. So I'm leaving you. When I leave you, hell's going to think that you are orphaned again, that I abandoned you. But I will not abandon you. I will not leave you orphans. I will adopt you in the beloved. I will adopt you in the Godhead family. And therefore, you will be protected by the third member of the Godhead. We are heaven's first family. We are eternity's first family. We are the offspring of God Almighty. That was what Satan has a problem with. That's why he hates the church. He hates the church because we got adopted and he didn't. We got Jesus' name and he abandoned it. He trashed it. You act like Satan did not know what he was doing when he rose up in heaven. He didn't have sin to tempt him. He had ego. Mm. No, I can't hit the button. (laughs) Well, life doesn't get any better than that. I mean, we do want to blame a lot of circumstantial things on why people don't serve the Lord and don't do whatever, even just as a standard Christian. We're not even talking about life as a service, as a minister. But you don't have a better life than what Lucifer had in heaven. Now. It was, I mean, I mean, it's like me, you know, in natural sense, living with you, mm-hmm. talking about, but I have a problem yeah. with my lifestyle and my life and all this, this and the other, because I'm going to find a problem. I'm going to mm-hmm. find something wrong. I'm going to find a reason to do whatever. And everybody's looking at you like, what is your problem? Really? So that's your struggle. Mm-hmm. If that's your struggle, you know, if you look yeah. at someone like Lucifer, you're like. And you had a problem with what? So your problem is you couldn't be God in that world, mm-hmm. which is just. Mm-hmm. And and you weren't some footstool. No, no. You, no, mm-mm. not but at all. I think it also helps explain why God has such a problem with envy. Mm-hmm. You know, Ooh, because it was envy. That was the iniquity yeah. that was found in him was envy. And what and what do the pagans promote? Envy. envy. What do our cultures promote? Envy. envy. What does the world promote? Envy. Because that's all he was left with when he failed in his bid for the high seat. I mean, we think we recognize demonic influence and infiltration and because we think it's so obvious in all of these mm-hmm. other ways when you say something like envy. Yeah. Envy. Which they're trying to, of course, culturize and stylize and, you know, be or whatever. Well, you know, we've just changed envy out for ambition. Mm-hmm. You know, so now we won't call it being envious, just call it being ambitious. Yeah, but, you know, the interesting <laughs> thing about envy is I always like envy as a word. I've studied up a lot of, you know, I study a lot of these terms because a lot of these terms, you have got to go in the dictionary and look at the archaic meetings. When they say non-standard, you take that one. Okay. When they say archaic, take that one. Obsolete, you take that one because that's the root definition. So you have to understand that by the time it grew up, you know, you pick a flower, you do a whole lot of things to the flower that you take. But when you go back to that place, the root was still that same flower. So envy is a very interesting term. And and we often confuse envy and jealousy because God says, I'm a jealous God. But jealousy belongs to those who already own it and what they own is being taken or appropriated by someone else. That's jealousy. Envy is enter into buying. The last two letters of envy, V-Y, tell you what God's problem with. He moved into buying with the Almighty for his authority as sovereign. He went into buying with Jesus. 
and it was that violence that was the iniquity that was found in him. Now, he probably didn't even believe in the God here because there wasn't a, just a God by himself and Jesus by himself. No, it was all three ones. And he, he knew he did not have that nature. He did not have, we, Adam was made with God's image and likeness. He knew he didn't have that nature. He knew he did not have the powers. He did not have the, that, that, that um, potential, potency that they had. And so he was like this. So then, and how dare Jesus come back and then turn around and give what he lost his, his place in heaven for to billions of people. Right. That's why Jesus, he loves, you know, right? that's why he loves Christians to discredit their Christianity. He loves them to disparage their Christianity because he can literally, if he cannot be like us, he can eliminate us. Wow. Because he's envied. And, and Jesus' brother said that where there is well, envy, envy and self-serving, there is what? Demonic and every evil yeah. word. Yeah. That's his thing. Envy. So when you talk about, like, you, you people walk up, I mean, everything is about envy. I'm taller than you. Don't you envy me. Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm so-and-so. Don't you envy me. I am cute. Don't yeah. you envy me. I'm a size two. I'm a size zero. I'm sorry. Bones are not impressive. I don't care what anybody tells you. I don't care how you dress them up. A bone is a bone is a bone. <laughs> Look at the skeletal system on that person. You can count the case. I mean, this girl is standing up here with a $5,000 dress on, and I'm counting her bones. One, two, three. Wait, that rib is out of place. Wait, that's not right. Yeah. Okay? But just why? He talks you into constantly diminishing yourself. He hates humanity, and he hates Christians twice as much as he hates humanity. Because both of us, oh, hallelujah, both of us, God fulfilled his dream in us. So he's like, what? Oh, no. Why do you think he wanted to go after Adam? He's like, "Uh uh-uh. So then he took humanity, but he cannot take the redeemed because the Holy Ghost is in us to see to it that no other spirit enters us to take over the gracious work that he's done in our soul. Okay, so you talked about the difference between jealousy and envy. What about uh, competition and rivalry? What's the difference between competing, and rivaling. Well, rise, rivaling, rivalry comes from rise. And, that, and again, it's that, that, um, that, it, that the, the harmfulness of it as opposed to the healthiness. Competition can be a healthy thing. Right. But rivalry is always meant to destroy the opponent. It's, an destruct, it's a destructive okay. thing. Because we, we can't just, in other words, we can't have a, um, that's why they say you have rivalry out of competition. Right, right. Because right. when you're a competitor with someone, there's genuinely respect. Uh-huh. You're going after the same goal, but you want to get it. Uh-huh. But you know that sort of thing. But then when it does turn to rivalry, it gets you can get. A- it wants to annihilate you as a future competitor. Got it. Right. So and, and nothing you do is right. And the, when you're in rivalry, you see that's when people break the rules. That's yeah. when they become mm-hmm. abusive. That's when they're racing and they're gonna push your car off the road and all of that. That's right. That's not competition. Yeah. That's yeah. rivalry, and that's a hateful spirit, and it's driven by hate. Good question. I've been thinking about that for three weeks. There okay. You mm-hmm. So you waiting now, so? Well, now it's the opportunity. <laughs> about time. You have anything else? Oh. Which one of y'all? Uh, I was thinking it. about this here ransom situation. Yeah. Now, if you teach redemption like this, <laughs> people are going to understand why they need to get saved, first yeah. of all, yeah, and yeah, why yeah. it's a process, why you owe God, and how you can, we say, lose your salvation. Like, where are my keys? Yeah. I lost my keys. Yeah. Um, but really, Or lose your place in life. Yeah, because you 
step mm-hmm. down. But when you talked about remitting payment to avoid consequences, I mean, that whole section, how you have to pay God a ransom for your soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you said how the Lord took the firstborn of Egypt, mm-hmm. of everything, everything, because of how many people he, he was, was redeeming so, yeah. and bringing out of that land, that made so many things make yeah. sense. I mean, mm-hmm. and here's why, you know, we hear them teach that the God of the Old Testament, he was just bloody, he was just this, he was just that for no apparent reason mm-hmm. other than the fact that he's just some brute yeah. sitting yeah. in heaven waiting to club somebody upside the head. And not that this is actually him saying, this is a legal transaction. This is what it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. We want to bring out a couple million people, take out a couple mm-hmm. million people in order to keep it moving. Yes, you do. Well, and I mean, animals too, but I thought that. This whole section. But he took a nation down because he was begetting a nation, to deliver a nation. And that's how God does. Because, see, we are, again, we're looking at the natural. You know? Like, when they talk about the God of the Old Testament, has anybody read about Zimri Lim? There's anybody? See, I've read all of them. Okay. 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 Can we talk about all of those? Marduk, ruthless little guy. You know? I mean, let's go on. He's not the only one. But, see, Christians, because you are caught up in this. God is love, yes. grip, you can't establish what it is. So when somebody comes to your house and, uh, and takes your kid, you're just going to sit around and say, it's God is love, it's the will of God, just let him go. But because you don't believe that God has a possession and that you and I are it, you don't think he's going to fight for us. You don't think he's going to come for us. But God always comes for his people, always. I don't care where you are, and whatever he's got to walk through to get you, he's going to do it. Well, that he will destroy. But here's my last statement now, Pastor. No, you don't. Prophet no, no, Yeah, I, I, I might need it. How well, you said you have to put yourself on the market of repentance yeah, yeah, yeah. in order to be bought back. Yeah. But isn't that the truth? There when you a lot say... of self-control happening by then. <laughs> I mean, that is such a mind-blowing statement mm-hmm. because of what we haven't been taught. Forget what we have. What we haven't been taught about how redemption, why it's called redemption. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like when you redeem a coupon. Yes. We're going to sell you a book of coupons and you can use them whenever you want. And it's not redeemed. And they tell you what, it's not, not redeemable. redeemable. No, no, no. You can't redeem it for cash, but you can get products. Yeah. And so we, this is a redeemable thing. So redemption, God saying that creation, Adam started out as mine. And in Adam was the seed of every being to every human to ever be born. The serpent talked Adam into surrendering all of his descendants, all of his seed, which means he surrendered the life of all humanity. So now... God is like, but these are just seeds. I can't do anything with a bunch of seeds. I need to let them come out. and Because first of all, the woman's portion won't ever be helped because she's got the egg. So I've got to wait, let them all become people. This is like the parables unveiled. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? The, yes. the, 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 the parables exposed because, you know, now I understand better, you know, why when he spoke in parables, but people didn't know what he was talking no, no. about. Mm-mm. No. What are you saying? Because well, he's exactly. presenting and he's not explaining. He's just uh-huh. saying. I'm, ex- I'm explaining. So if God just said, okay, I'm going to deal with Adam, Eve was going to be there with all those eggs that was going to age and die. 
But those eggs are the souls of humanity. Mm. So we can't let her die. So we have to have Adam, we have to have Eve, and we have to let them produce children so that even though they're going to be tares and not wheat any longer, at least them, the, the, the spirits, the future spirits that are in Jesus Christ in heaven will have a place to join because now that we won't be his children by seed, we'll be his children in flesh. Glad you have school. Ah, yeah. PriceUniversity.org. Enroll. Get smart. Hey, learn today. Lead tomorrow. Well, and so many of these revelations are in the curriculum that you've written. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but you and have successful. I do. And um, you, in the beginning, you really don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And it's not until you get in it mm-hmm. that you're just thinking, this is a line of thought I yes. haven't even had before. Or if I did, it was a bliss. You said a revelation. Mm-hmm. I meditated on it for a moment, kept on going. Yeah. But now that it's real, yeah. and as you gave us the assignment, how will this be actionized? Mm-hmm. Help us, God. In our lives. How will you actionize this concept? How will you take this theory and make it? a reality, mm-hmm. how are you going to embody it or put it into somebody else? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, rhetoric mm-hmm. has got to be logical. So it can be embodied and walked out exactly. and then replicated and so on and so forth. And so enrolling in Price University is probably one of the smartest things anybody can do. If you know you have this kind of calling yeah. or you just want to be informed because mm-hmm. our levels of education go from basic information mm-hmm. certificates to high level mm-hmm. all, all the way through. Mm-hmm. And because the body of Christ is so, I will say deprived, not just ignorant, but deprived. They are more deprived than this information. Mm-hmm. And you, you should, uh, I was on the phone with somebody the other day, and I'm like, you know what, you need to take these self-study classes mm-hmm. just to, to get the information, to lay down the solid foundation mm-hmm. in your Christianity, in your walk with God, to know even what he's expecting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't have skilled teachers. Mm-hmm. Or trainers, you know, we don't have. We need to multiply you by a, bil- a billion because mm-hmm. we don't. We're we're being we're not being taught this revelation. Like mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. this unraveling of sure. what God meant. Because I I think that you touched on something really powerful today, and especially you know to my beloved millennial generation. Mm-hmm. I think that this the 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 reality of sin, death, mm-hmm. you know, hell heaven and the fact that we we seem to be subject to something that mm-hmm. we have no control over is difficult yeah. and I, I think that you're helping to really uh, to at least you're helping me in my mind mm-hmm. to really understand that because I think that we because of the lack of revelation mm-hmm. uh, that has come down from the pastoral mantle that's been running the church for all these years they don't have this kind of revelation they haven't tapped into that and because of that we kind of grew up with this this concept that God is just kind of making these judgments on the spot mm-hmm. you know, for you. And that makes it very unfair. You know, it makes it, uh, you know, and I think that that also prevents true repentance mm-hmm. because there is this air of arrogance. Like what exactly do I really need to repent for oh. though? Because I just was born, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, and then you're telling me I've got to repent because I was just born. But I think that you are really just man hammering that and helping to connect dots, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm wondering if you're connecting a lot of dots for, for people that are watching, too, because what it seems like the understanding is this was something that was 
decided before before you and I ever touched the scene about what would be the consequence of sin, the reaction. And and, and that's why before the garden, y'all, it's so important. If you don't have it, you have to get it because you talk about the reality that sin was conceived in heaven. So this whole thing that we're living Mm -hmm. started there. But your comment about the fact that he had to let the seed Mm -hmm. come to fruition. Yeah. That's everything. You know, and why we have to walk this out because we have to either manifest Christ or not. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just think that that's that's powerful. I think that you're you're hitting on something very important today. Well, I think the power of it is that millennial or not, sin or not, I sinless or not. Yeah. First of all, poor things they've been like the MTV, MTV generation. Everything goes and the all of that kind of whatever. They're in common core curricula that says that it's all right and nothing is wrong. But the problem is the body tells the truth. Yes. So you've got diseases. Why are you asking where these diseases come from? You've got issues coming out of your your reproductive organs and whatever. You don't ask. You have headaches. You get colds. You want to know those answers, and nobody's telling you that that's just the way it is on earth. That's just life on earth. But that had an origin, and those those dysfunctions, those flaws and frailties, the panic attacks that you have, the fears that you live with, all of those have a literal creature source. They don't just, they're not um, autonomic. They're not just, okay, like breathing, because everybody who breathes doesn't have a cold. So they're they're not just autonomic. These are these are carried by viruses and bugs and whatever, and you and you're scared to ask where does the virus come from, and why is it called virus? Why isn't it called vira? I don't know, but and bacteria, all of those are real issues, and the body is telling you the truth. I don't care what the doctrine is saying, what the rhetoric is saying. Those people, you're sitting here talking about people talking about I don't believe in God and I believe I'm my own God. You are old. You are wrinkled. Your stuff is stopping. Things are dropping. Stuff is not working. Why is aging real? Because if you are your own God, God is his own God, and he doesn't look like that. God is young, tight, tight, and cute. I'm telling you, and he's passing that on with everybody else. I know you look at the, those um, um, what do you call those medieval pictures of God, old guy trying. Uh, uh-uh, that is not God, and God is not naked because His glory covers Him, and that glory Ooh. is what covers His creation. Right. So you will never see His body, you'll never Ooh. see His behind, you'll never see His sides because of the glory. Because what Adam Ooh. loved was the glory, which is how they knew they were naked. Oh, thank you. <laughs> now. <laughs> Let's have this plate now, 918-608-1378, 918-608-1378. If y'all don't give on that, I, I don't even know what we're supposed to give. This is a perfect moment for this, 918-608-1378. You can sow a seed there. And then you can also do uh, Cash App, Dr. Paula Price. We know a lot of you are Cash App users out there. Sow your seed right now. Cash App, Dr. Paula Price is her handle there. And then PayPal.me slash Dr. Paula Price if you're a mm-hmm. PayPal user. I'm telling you, because God had to lift Ooh, his glory for, uh, for, uh, for Moses to see his back on. Hello. He said, I will show you my glory, and he lifted it. And what is the glory? The glory is not just a, 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 what do you call it, shimmering light? No, cascading light. The glory is literally what comes out of his pores through his skin as power that sustains him and also supplies him. Now, that's what we're talking about. All this other stuff, these little naked angels, y'all, like that, those are fallen devils who lost their glory. 
Jesus. They don't, they, they, God took their place. He said, I'm going to bring the fire out of the midst of you. So I'm turning off your light. I'm turning off your power source. I'm turning off your energy. You will look like the mortals that you yourself dethroned. He did always put clothes on people. He did. God clothes people oh, all the time. Man, did, but he everybody has oh, yeah. You know, the, the little naked woman in John chapter 8 that everybody likes to preach about. Oh, God help us with that one. I mean, can we overwork a word or what? <laughs> 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 Bible. That's it. The woman caught in sin. And nobody, and, and, and not one of those men who teach that have compassion for that woman because she was in a society where women were nothing but shadow and object, and not one of you all did that. Not one of you felt that man who, who, who caught her in that, mm-hmm. or the people who trailed her to watch her mm-hmm. so they can drag her out. The man that was used as, a, as an instrument to, to trip up Jesus Christ. Now, one of y'all saw it. You realize that the reason Jesus Christ had to come and become incarnated because that glory would have never been taken down. He had to become human, and let, that's what he set aside. The glory, he set aside all of that power. He set aside all of that, that unique physiology and that new, unique biology that he has, or what I call theology that he has. He set all of that aside because you wouldn't have ever been able to kill him. That's why Paul said, well, no one does no more. So here's John. Oh, my God. Mm. Mm. Whoa. And He's showing up. Let us know. Okay. And We're he didn't come naked. He came with a white robe. You know why? Because God is not going to show up to him. No, any human being naked because he knows y'all crazy. <laughs> he knows that Adam's seed is crazy. He knows what he made. He knows. He knows the women are going to get lost and the homosexuals are going to lose their mind. That's not going to work for him. So he's never going to do that. Wow. Wow. Now, see, this is the tragic thing. You will only hear this here. This is about some blanket religious answer that doesn't make any sense to anybody. Mm-mm. It's like. That's a Paul Price show original right there. You're <laughs> only going to hear that on this broadcast. Well, he had the one that followed him, the Catamite. Yeah. He followed him around until people got ready to kill Jesus, at which point they stripped his clothes off and he had to run next. Read your Bible and get some wisdom. Price University, learn today, leave tomorrow. I can leave this because I learned it. Amen. I learned it from the Holy Ghost. Yes, I did. I said, are you kidding me? The the, the Jesus that Satan knows is not the one you maligned. He's a different one. That devil knows that Jesus is all that. That's why he was trying to be there. (laughs) In this. He envies him. And, and you Christians, you know, you need to get that. It's an envying thing. And, and his children are born with envy. There's two things, the Leviathan spirit, which is pride, mm. hallelujah, and, and then the self-serving spirit of envy, you know, because he wanted to be Christ. We, that's the dignity of Christianity. They've been whipping us down for almost 30 years. Yeah, well, you can't say anything because they get upset because they're not saved. Then get saved and stop being upset. That's not hard. Nobody's leaving you out. We're not trying to say don't come in. We're trying to say you're coming into something superior. Yeah, you know, there's different. Then get saved. I'm not asking for that. You know, but we don't happen to want your God. Then live with your decision. That's what we do. We live with our decision every day. You know, we have, you have, I mean, God showed you by the devil that's using you that he doesn't want to live with people who don't want him. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. I said, there's some more. You that There's using you. That using he's using you. I mean, it is obvious that God doesn't want you any more than you want him. It is obvious. 
You know, I'm yeah, because Evangelical got you thinking he's sitting up there crying and carrying on. He is not crying. He's happy to be rid of that problem. Trust me, Revelation 12, woe to the earth, for the devil has come down to you. Well, just like when we get a problem out of your life, you're like, whoo, I'm not crying. He's happy. He's happy. He's, happy. He's so glad his plan working. And know it's real. This worked wonderful. Hey, God. like, son, wasn't that good? We finally got. And they went around, had a long cleanup after this devil before they had to deal with us. Long cleanup. Woe to the earth. Now, think about it. The war in heaven and earth existed. Yeah. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall as lightning. He knew he strong because he told Mike, get him out. Move them now. Get all of them out. I want them out. <laughs> so you, you can't enjoy your Christianity because you're not learning your Christ. Ooh. Because when you learn your Christ, this Christian thing is awesome. So awesome, the whole world is trying to do away with it. Yes. Now, guys, we need to wake up, and we need to play this card. Yes. Bless, 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 and <laughs> there you go. Okay, we got to get you something. <laughs> I know. Oh, I think I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll, just, I'll, I'll be the, I'll slap the clock. She's the slap clock. There I'll we go. Slap and I did not believe that man was right and God was wrong. I did not believe that everybody who wrote the Bible was, was two steps from illiteracy. I didn't. Huh. Come on. You're talking about scholars. You're talking about people who've learned things. You're, Isaiah, brilliant. Isaiah, brilliant. The prophets of God, they were brilliant. These prophets today, I don't even know what to tell you because God's prophets were, were very brilliant people. They were not only were they prolific, but they were also perfected. And so these prophets were amazing. What we have today, these run around, Greco Roman knockoffs. Come on here. That's not yeah, even doing anything. That's knockoff of a downgrade. Of a downgrade. <laughs> But, I mean, you think about, they had to be brilliant because most of the people running around, at least in our neck of the woods, can't understand their writings, which is why we've rewritten them and rewritten them <laughs> no, right. and dumbed them down and dumbed them down and simplified them. We don't even know the own in, our own indictment mm-hmm. with what we've done and the implications of what that means. Mm-hmm. To the prophetic and to the authors of Scripture, which is why in, our, in my school, um, the, uh, with the AIT training, Apostles in Training, with the AIT program, we have we have a textbook called the SAM, the Scriptures Authoring Mantle, because most of you don't know the scriptures by the authors. Analyzing scriptures, authoring mantle. Exactly. And this is the textbook. What is it? Um, commission Brief. And so the Bible, SAM, Analyzing Scriptures, Authoring Mantles, because you've heard the Bible translated by pastors, you've heard it translated by evangelists, you've heard it, none of them were around when the Holy Ghost was dropping his revelation and breaking it off from heaven and putting it, installing it in his scribe. Peter said, the prophets wrote it. He said, holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms are when he canonized. Yeah. Now that's what he said. The wisdom writing. So you're talking about uh, the, the 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 people who are helping you understand scripture were not around when scripture was being given, uh-huh. and the institution that they are now serving, likewise, was not around. That's just the way it was. 
So that is why you need apostles and prophets to continue the education that Jesus brought to earth and not the ones that sprung up from the earth as a defense system from the, from the antagonists that did not appreciate the truth of God being circulated in the world. Wow. This man is amazing. This story is it's almost like scary. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh. And I'm telling you, I can, I, I, to this day, I, mean, I can still write hours and hours and hours on this and still <laughs> introduce new content and new information. Right, the textbook. That's, and that's when you got another one coming next. Why? Why do I? And I told them, why am I doing this? Why do I want you to have a book? Can I open your book? Because you know I got this. Yeah. You know. Um. Oh, your propriety. Yeah. Yes, yeah, she's learning about the apostles of propriety. You know, and you have, and, and it's relevant. Everything speaks to the relevance of people. So I research. Actually, while we have a few minutes. I researched the word relevance. And you know what I found out relevance is? Dependent, what, that which is dependent upon for relief or problem solving. Which is why when somebody contributes something that doesn't help, it's irrelevant. You're like relevance, please? Because it doesn't, and it says, and they <laughs> solve helping. the problem by casting <laughs> light on it. Oh, that's interesting. So how we use relevance, which means, is it trendy? Because we use relevance like oh, it makes sense. I guess they do that. Yeah, but that's not how relevance works. And so to say the church is not relevant, you have to prove that we have not solved the world's problem. That's why you're saying, but some of these churches aren't. Yeah. Then you are contributing. You're contributing to the problem. So irrelevance means that you are bringing no relief situations that you are supposed to resolve. Mm-hmm. It's not based on popularity at all. Not popularity, not, you know, uh, camaraderie or approval. Or, again, it's not based on trending. You know, so you fit the genre of the era. No, no. Relevance is not just about fitness. It's about fixing. (laughs) Hey, do you want to sow a seed to me? They're going to tell you how to do it. Tell me if you, I mean, because if I bless your life today, then you should sow a seed so we can continue doing it. Besides, you know, I want to be back. I'm out to start getting back into shooting. So I need people to help us shoot new shows. I love you dearly. I pray that I'm a blessing to you. Hey, you want to tell them again? Yes, absolutely. So sowing a seed, text to give 918-608-1378 if you want to do it via your text. And then if you are a cash app user, just use the handle Dr. Paul Price. If you're a PayPal user, then you want to do paypal.me slash Dr. Paul Price. And that's the easiest way to sow a seed today. And there's still time to join us next week at the NEAR Annual Apostleship Summit here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Go to my website, drpaulaprice.com, and let us not forget the Congregation of the Mighty on Sunday where God stands. Have a great weekend. See you soon. God bless. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.